It's so easy to judge somebody, especially when they're from a different culture, and we don't understand why they do what they do, why they say what they say, or why they think the way they think. So, we have the opportunity to discover their way of thinking from their cultural perspective. Welcome to the Bridge Beyond English podcast. This is an English podcast that will help you expand your creative thinking, global awareness, and cross-cultural communication skills so that you can connect more deeply with the world. I'm your host, David Nagai. Once upon a time, there was a university student from Japan, and she went to the U.S. for a homestay. She arrived at the homestay, and it was a very nice, warm, welcoming family, and they were so happy to host this new student. They sat down and had some tea, and they talked about each other's families and how the trip went and had a nice time of introduction in the living room. Then the host mother also asked the student, oh, would you like something to eat? Anything at all? And the student said, uh, no thanks, I'm okay. And the host mother said, oh, okay, well, Anytime, just help yourself to the fridge and make yourself at home. All right, so we're going to go do some other work right now, and we'll see you later. Please settle in, and again, make yourself right at home. Now, the reality was, of course the student was hungry after her long trip from Japan all the way to the U.S., and she would love a snack. A big snack, actually. But she wouldn't selfishly ask for the snack. Or at least she would wait for the host to offer it again or push it onto her. But she didn't want to make a bad first impression and seem greedy. So she spent the rest of the afternoon hungry. And she knew that there was food in the fridge and the pantry, but she didn't really want to go get it because it felt rude and selfish. But the thing is, the host mother actually told her to make herself at home and help herself to the fridge. So, you can see how different cultures can have different expectations and it can cause a bit of miscommunication and frustration. If you've ever traveled to a different country or interacted with people from different countries, I'm sure you have had some questions about why people do things certain ways, and you've probably felt frustrated or misunderstood as well. I've had similar experiences. So I've had so many I can't quite remember, <laughs> but let me share a couple experiences, first from my adjustment to Japan, where I am now, 
and also some experiences I've had in other countries. I remember one of the first days in Japan. I was at a ramen shop. I sat down to order, and I heard this loud sound, this loud, unfamiliar sound that just kind of surprised me and shocked me. So I looked to my side, and I saw a woman and a man slurping their ramen so loud, and I was so confused why Japanese, who seems so polite and so quiet in public, would be slurping their noodles so loud. So that's when I learned that slurping ramen or udon or any kind of noodles in Japan is just the way you do it, and it's a way to enjoy the taste more and to eat it fast, even if it's hot. So I, I understand there's all these cultural ideas or perspectives about why and how you eat noodles, but for me, from a Western perspective. Slurping loudly is very rude, even though Americans can be loud in other ways, <laughs> right? So we're loud in different ways in different contexts. Okay, so another thing that confused me when I came to Japan was construction work. One surprising thing for me coming to Japan was. How many construction workers are involved in doing one task or one job? So you'll have two people digging or hammering or doing something. I'm not really sure what exactly it is, and I understand you need multiple people to do that. But what always confused me the most was how many traffic directors there were. Or not even traffic directors, but even somebody who has a construction hat, like a hard hat, and all the construction uniform and big boots. But what they're doing is they have a baton or this light stick, and they're directing not cars, not a big road, but actually just the foot traffic. So just the people who are walking by. And for me, as an outsider, it seems like kind of a waste of human resource or unnecessary.、Uh, I saw one time there was this construction worker. He was standing with his baton. He was standing at the front of this little gate where trucks would go through to the actual site of the construction. But it seemed to me that ninety-eight percent of the time he was just standing there. He wasn't doing anything except for making money and using my tax dollars. So I wondered why is he there? And I knew he was there to open the gate for trucks who would take away dirt. My mind quickly said,、oh, "Why don't they have someone just get out of the truck to do that instead of paying someone to stand around 98 or 95 percent of the time?"
Of course, I don't know what else he did, maybe clean up or set up, or he took turns with other people. I don't know the full story. But I do know that I make judgments about construction workers and how they are sometimes standing around or doing jobs that, to me, seem a little bit unnecessary. But as I thought more about it, and as I've talked to friends about it, um, I heard different perspectives from different people, and it's changed my mindset. So first I was very judgmental, and it seemed like a bit of a waste of tax money. But then I realized that actually it contributes to a lot of the extreme safety measures that Japan values, which also make Japan a very safe and secure place. Also, a lot of the construction workers are older men, especially the ones who are directing traffic or opening the gate, and I realized that it's actually a very good way to employ them in their older age. So in a society where some of these older gentlemen, uh, they, they could retire, but then they don't have enough money to survive, uh, maybe it's a great opportunity to help them continue working and contribute to society to make it safer, make it more convenient for the other construction workers and the construction projects in general. So I realized once I opened my mind and opened my ears to different perspectives that maybe the story is more complicated than I know. And I have a feeling it's still much more complicated than I understand, but I can see some of the merits, some of the positive aspects of having extra workers because it's not only about efficiency, it's also about humanity. It's about providing jobs and making society function as a whole. And keeps Japan very, very safe. Now let's move to another country where I also have experienced some judgment about the culture. Let's go to Bangladesh. So around 15 years ago, I was in Bangladesh and I remember seeing rickshaw drivers uh, on their rickshaws. So as you might know, a rickshaw is a bicycle with a carriage in the back. So it has three wheels. It's like a bicycle taxi. So I saw a lot of these rickshaw drivers actually sleeping in the back of their rickshaw. They weren't working. They weren't taking people to their destination. They were just sleeping. And I thought, hmm, I think they're pretty poor. I think they want to work, but they're sleeping in the shade with their feet up. And they seem a little, hmm, how do I put it? Lazy. So I had this judgment about rickshaw drivers for a while. And then one day I realized that the schedule for when people actually want to travel in rickshaws 
is different than I expected. So there's the rush hour in the morning, and then lunchtime, maybe some some more rush. But there's a time in the day when everybody in the whole city, maybe in the whole country, slows down, and a lot of people take a nap. So it's not only the rickshaw drivers, but it's also their customers, the people who would normally be going around the city. So. At that time, it was very important, actually, for them to take a rest and to regain their energy, because it's so hot in Bangladesh, especially in the summertime. So it's essential for them to lay down, put their feet up, and rest in the shade whenever they get a chance. And of course, even if they wanted to drive their customers or their passengers around. There were no passengers at the time. All the passengers were either taking their naps or having lunch or at work inside. So the rickshaw drivers were not lazy; they were just being as productive as possible with their time and energy. And by the way, driving a rickshaw is a lot of work. Another rickshaw experience I had in Bangladesh, as well as India, where I lived, was that rickshaw drivers would often raise their prices. Not only rickshaw drivers, but also taxi drivers. They raised their prices for me because I was a foreigner. So they knew that I could probably pay a higher price, but I knew. Exactly what the real price was supposed to be, because <laughs> I lived there. So, eventually, a lot of the local drivers knew that I knew the price, and they knew that I was a pretty friendly guy, and we wanted to have a good relationship, and they didn't try to overcharge me. But I grew to understand whether it was in my local area or. In other parts of the city or country, the reason why they would do that, and the reason why is very human. And actually, this is not just cultural, but it's it's human. And I would actually do the same thing if I were them, because these men are so poor, and the system does not help them succeed. And they can barely survive and barely feed their families. The reason why they wanted to raise the price was because when they saw me, they saw an opportunity to make a little extra money to feed their kids. It comes down to taking care of their family. Another experience I had in India. Was looking for a place to live. So as I looked for accommodations, sometimes the landlords would ask me, "Are you gonna cook beef in this house?" And I would, of course, say no because I knew that in Hindu culture, cows are sacred. Right? Cows are like God. So. Hindus do not eat beef, and they don't want you to eat beef around them or to 
cook beef in their apartment that you rent from them. So beef is a big no-no. And of course, uh, they probably were thinking, oh, David is an American. He must love hamburgers and steak. He loves beef because he's an American. And of course, they have no reason to trust me because they don't know me. And why should they trust me uh, with their apartment? There's no reason, right? So for me, it was a bit frustrating when I felt like they were being prejudice or discriminating against me because I'm a foreigner or because I'm not Hindu, uh, because of how I look and my nationality. But as I thought more about it, I realized that, hmm, actually for them, their religion is like the most important thing in their life. And for them to be a good Hindu... Uh, means to protect the cows, and probably that means to protect the cows from hamburger-loving, steak-eating, cow-killing Americans. So for them to be a good Hindu and to do their duty as good people, they were trying to do what was right. So as I put myself in their shoes and tried to understand their perspective, it was quite easy to realize, oh, I'm a guest in their country, and there's a different culture, different religion, and cows are very important. And for them, that's one of the most important things. So the least I could do as a foreigner is to acknowledge that I'm a guest in their country and to abide by their rules and respect their decision not to rent to me if they feel uncomfortable. Now, eventually, I found a place to live where the landlords were very open and happy for me to be there, and of course, I agreed never to cook beef. Okay, my next example is partly in India, partly in Bangladesh, and also in the Philippines, where I also lived in the past. So all these cultures are quite relaxed in many ways, and people are often a little bit or uh, very, very late. <laughs> so it's basically the complete opposite of Japan regarding punctuality or being on time. So in all three of these countries, I would often be right on time <laughs> to a meeting or to some event, and nobody had arrived, and it was a little bit frustrating. When people said they would come to my house at 2 p.m. and have lunch, I, I would be ready with the food, and I would be ready to serve them, and then when they didn't come for 30 minutes or even an hour, the food would get cold or the tea would get cold or something uh, would be a little bit frustrating about the situation. Or even worse, if I was going to meet someone in a public place, well, then I'm in the public place at 2 p.m. and I have to just wait. <laughs> 
it's not like it's in my house where I can relax or do some work or read a book. It's in a public place. So what I what I learned to do eventually was to always bring a book or something to do um, or have something like on my phone available to do while I waited for 30 minutes or sometimes even more than an hour. And this was for social events as well as work-related meetings, actually. Now, eventually, after some time and after listening to some local Indians explain more about their perspective and their culture, I began to understand the situation. So instead of judging people or being frustrated or angry that they were wasting my time by being late, I was able to empathize with their culture and their reason for being late. Okay, so it's complex, but first of all, in Indian culture, it's just normal to be late. Uh, it's not disrespectful, so people don't get offended if somebody's late. Actually, people kind of assume that people will be late, so it's just normal. Now, there could be various reasons for this. Uh, India has a slower pace, and people are very uh, present to each experience and enjoy each experience fully, so they're not always rushing from event to event. Um, but I want to focus on one main insight that I gained that explained some of this. So one of my friends told me that when somebody is with a person, they don't want to rush away just because they have an appointment. Because that person, that relationship is so important that they don't want to communicate to that person they are with that the next appointment is more important, so they need to rush. So instead, they don't rush away, and they keep on spending time and showing or demonstrating their appreciation or connection with that person. So that person is the center. And then when they go to the next appointment, then they do the same thing for the next person. The problem is... <laughs> If I'm waiting for that person at the second appointment, I can sometimes feel like they don't respect me. But my understanding is that the root intention is that people want to be fully present and to show respect and connection to the person they're with. And that means that they don't rush away and sometimes they're a little bit or very late to the next appointment. So for me, I want to be present and show respect to the person I'm with, but I'm also thinking about the next appointment and don't want to make them feel negative. So sometimes I rush away from my current appointment so that I can show respect, but the person I'm with currently, <laughs> they might feel like I'm rushing away and like they aren't as important. So as you can see, my culture, maybe your culture, and Indian culture, every culture has just a different way of trying to show respect, 
trying to use their time wisely and trying to value and build relationships. It just looks different. Okay, and now let's shift over to the Philippines. So when I was living in the Philippines, I one time invited some people to an event. And they said, yeah, sure, we'd love to come. Great, sounds good. So I thought, oh, wonderful. The day of the event came, the time came, and I looked at my watch, and they weren't there. And I thought, oh, well, people are late, that's okay. Um, so I had to keep in mind that this is a different culture, they might be a little bit or very late. No problem, no problem, okay. But they never, ever came. So I was so confused because in my perspective, they lied to me. They told me that they would be there and then they never came. And they never texted or called or apologized. They never mentioned it ever. <laughs> so I was so confused. So once again, uh, a friend of mine explained that Sometimes people in the Philippines don't want to say no. Saying no is rude. So if they say no, even though they're sure they cannot attend the event, uh, that sounds too rude. So they say yes, and then maybe try to come, but often are not able to. So even if they don't come, and they said they would, that is more positive to, sh to save face and not say no. So that's a very different way of communicating than in my culture. In my culture, that would be seen as a lie, right? And we want to be very clear and give an excuse like, oh, sorry, I can't come. I have a different appointment then, or I have work or something. Uh, even if it's not so important, you make some excuse and reason. Or if you can't come last minute, you usually call or text or something. So here we have all these different cultures. We have uh, the hungry Japanese homestay student. We have me in the ramen shop being shocked by the slurpy noodles uh, the, the loud sound around me that seems so rude, but then I realize that it's cultural. And uh, me looking at construction workers and judging their laziness and also rickshaw drivers' laziness or greediness in India and Bangladesh. Or feeling discriminated against uh, by Hindu landlords in India and frustrated with people in all different countries for being late all the time. <laughs> so, there are so many different ways that we can miscommunicate and we can misunderstand cultures and we can judge without understanding the deeper context. So what's our takeaway from these stories? Well, I would say, don't judge too quickly. 
Whenever something frustrates you about a culture or a certain type of person, keep in mind that they are probably trying to do the right thing. They're probably trying to be a good friend or be a good person. And probably the way they do that is just different because of their culture. So there's always a reason why people do what they do, right? Now, it could be that the reason is they're selfish or greedy or something. But oftentimes, that's what we assume, but we assume too quickly. And then we can't learn that deeper, beautiful truth about their culture. And then we're unable to appreciate that person in their wonderful, rich complexity that makes them who they are. So the next time you see or experience something frustrating or confusing about someone in a different culture, stay positive, keep an open mind, be curious, and discover why they did what they did. Okay, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. If you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you want to help us spread this podcast to more people, you can write a review or leave a rating. And finally, if you are interested in using English to expand your creative thinking, global awareness, and cross-cultural communication skills, you can join a free trial class right here in Yokohama, Motomachi, or online. If that is something that interests you, you can click the link in the show notes or just visit us at bridgebeyondenglish.com. I'm your host, David Nagai. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.